When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Welcome back to Mike Morris's Mind Escape. Uh, we are joined by our buddy Anthony Tyler tonight. He is back to discuss his new book, Hunt Manual, Demonology and Fortiana. Uh, so really looking forward to this discussion. We kind of hit on it a little bit last time when we had him on, but we were talking, I think, more about like UAPs and uh, good versus evil and that kind of stuff last time. So you can go check that out. We actually have a Patreon episode uh, with him from last time, actually the last couple times. So go check that out. Uh, also, if you're interested, head on over to Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast for just $2 a month. You'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. We've got a ton of stuff up there, and we'll do a short one with uh, Anthony tonight uh, as well. But uh, I just uploaded ones with Rick Strassman, uh, Matthew Clark, where we were discussing Lucinian Mysteries, uh, Laird Scranton, uh, uh, Laura from Megalith Hunter, uh, you name it. I've we've put a bunch up there, and we're gonna keep putting stuff up there. So go check that out. Also, find us on Discord. Also, head on over to injuresweb.org. This is a social media platform we created to connect open minds. So if you like all the uh, topics that we discuss on the podcast, head on over there, set up a profile. We are still working on trying to get that in the app store. And also, if you are interested, uh, we have a Mind Escape T-shirt to give away, which we will be giving away at the end of October. Uh, if you want to be entered to win, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcast, leave a five-star review, take a screenshot of it, and email it to mindescapepodcast at gmail.com. We will pick a winner at the end of October. And we also have an awesome new merch store, uh, so check that out. I have the link down below. And uh, before we get started, uh, Anthony's book will be out on Halloween. You can purchase it on Amazon. I have the link down below. Again, that is Hunt Manual. Uh, demon, uh, 21st century demonology and Fortiana. So go check that out. But what's going on, Anthony? Welcome back on the show. Hey guys, thank you very much for having me back. It's always a pleasure. Thanks um, for joining it, us. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, uh, yeah, lots we could talk about. Um, I've just currently kind of rounding home base, um, putting the the final touches on the book. Um, at the time of recording this, so uh, things will be. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to the release and um, 
yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I guess a good starting point uh, for any listeners and such is uh, the conversations we've had in the past on your podcast here are definitely good. Uh, they'll definitely uh, play into, you know, the stuff that we talk about now. Um, you know, things like, you know, the new book, Hunt Manual, definitely heavy motifs of uh, good and evil, uh, like the analysis of um, and, uh, you know, UFOs and UAPs and uh, goes into a lot more. You know, we've talked about a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, like the, the case of Annalise Michelle and some of the like heuristic truths that could potentially be found in the superstitions of possession and things and um you know before we get started with that though we were just talking about how most people don't know what fortian or fortiana is and why don't you give us a little bit of a background of like charles fort and where all this research and stuff comes from yeah um so i mean for anybody that doesn't know um uh fortiana or fortian phenomena um, I mean, it really comes like the most the the biggest name that comes to mind for most people is John Keel, you know, author of the Mothman prophecies and things. And um, uh, but the you know, the originator of it all, Charles Fort in the early 20th century, um, he basically um, I mean, it's it's just, uh, you know, he wrote the Book of the Damned and other things and the the Book of the Damned being not a book of demonology, but meant to be a metaphor for the unexplainable phenomena that's been damned from scientific study because there's a there's a limited understanding in the in the scientific field on you know whatever be the case all unexplainable phenomena we'll get into it more but um um and and so because of that because there's a limited understanding it's just been pigeonholed as uh, superstition and other things. And sometimes things are just superstitious and don't make any sense. But other times it's genuinely the case where we have really strange things, um, that are on record in a variety of different ways. And I mean, despite any sort of record being left, we don't really have any further answers to it. So, mm-hmm. so it's not really so much about the answers so much as it is just developing more of an understanding and context of the fact that you know, in a sense, like everything exists on a scale of cosmic weirdness, you know, a, a lot of things are not that weird. And um, there's a tipping point where, uh, well, you know, the, the things uh, start to get very, very strange and um, and surreal. Um, and, you know, how do you think this it, stuff plays into like the evolution of consciousness? Because the way I have looked at it or researched, you know, from all the different episodes and people we've talked to and stuff like that. It seems like there's a pattern and that pattern is superstition led to ritual. Uh, even though we still people, there's still rituals today. Superstition led to ritual, ritual led to religion, uh, religion led to philosophy, philosophy led to science. And kind of here we are today. So there is this like progression. Now we still have a lot of those things, right? People are still superstitious. People are still religious. People are still, uh, philosophizing, you know, like all that stuff still, you know, happens, but it just seems like there was at one point, those were like the stepping stones to each other, at least from my perception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say, um, there are, but I think the greatest context for all of this stuff is, Hmm. There's a lot of different ways to, uh, to start slicing this pie. And I think that, Hmm. The best the best place to probably start is just simply um, considering 
the the scientific relevance of not only archetypes but the memes and you know the viral nature in which um symbols kind of incubate and um um you know uh, are exchanged between hosts so to speak and uh, but so there's a lot to be said for that initially but you know more to the point why and you know <laughs> there's a it's you know to really cut to the chase i think that it has to do with um things like you look into some of the most um well, I guess the best place to start is you always have to look at empiricism first and foremost, and you can let that kind of lead you outward, but you have to start um, with your boots on the ground and, you know, looking at the unexplainable um, for Tiana at large, but, you know, especially demonology, um, just the more we talk, the more there will they won't, they'll go hand in hand. And I'm not saying that um, unexplainable phenomena is inherently evil, but we'll get there. Um, <laughs> um, but it seems that, um, you know, for example, with things like sleep paralysis and epilepsy, um, some things that we've talked about a little bit in the past, these laid really solid groundwork for, um, you know, superstitions and spiritual ideas that still stand the test of time um, uh, despite their you know, rudimentary underpinnings, um, like, you know, to get more specific, like we know so much of the science behind something like sleep paralysis, uh, but we don't know why all of those things happen. You know, what is going on with those hallucinations and why does it get so surreal and, and bleed into the paranormal on record time and time again? No one can really say, you know, the same thing with uh, temporal lobe epilepsy. We know what epilepsy is and we know how it affects the individual. But what goes on during those intense the temporal lobe epilepsy, specifically those those events that become like essentially like out of body, borderline psychedelic experiences, whether they're good or bad. You know, we don't know what's going on there either. We don't know. And what about, um, we don't know anything about dreams, though. That would be exactly place exactly. To start. What exactly. about sleep paralysis too? Because it's something we've discussed a decent amount on the show. Our buddy Lee, who Lee Adams, who uh, we've had on a bunch, uh, had bouts throughout his life with sleep paralysis and encounters with these entities and things like that. And I know it's uh, big and you know for people in the UAP UFO communities to talk about too. And some people don't want to talk about it because they think it's just like. Uh, trying to be you know their experiences are trying to be explained away by some sort of scientific thing but i i would argue that maybe that that's the vehicle for some weird thing to happen and not necessarily look at it as a way to explain it like oh here's this you know physical phenomenon that's it like that could be you know something you know that happens where it does alter your consciousness that puts you in touch with something else right or uh, something right. like that, something metaphysical. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case, but I'm just saying, like, I don't think people really think about it like that. I think they just think it like it's um, it's like a threat to their narrative or something, you know. And it doesn't have to be. <clears throat> um, so if and if you look at these things, you know, um, l like we've talked about before a little bit, uh, Valet mentioned uh, and talks about the uh, the fact that with this unexplainable phenomena. Um, the human experience, the witness seems to be some sort of completion of a circuit. And, um, and I think that there's a lot of weight to that. Um, but you know, what is, you know, instigating the, uh, our piece of the circuitry, you look at things like some of these medical underpinnings, um, 
you know, sleep paralysis and epilepsy, for examples. Um, the reason that these things are or like sleep paralysis specifically, uh, as a matter of fact, the reason that this is happening is there's a, there's some sort of intense jam of, uh, of the nervous system and, uh, you know, in layman's terms, and it has to do with our uh, sensory processing and our circadian rhythms and, you know, the body shutting down in, um, um, incongruently with the mind and things. And, you know, when that happens, you start, uh, projecting a map of your own body essentially outward, but that really only explains like the initial underpinnings. Again, it doesn't explain, uh, what happens from then on out, but it's interesting because, um, again, it all has to do with, you know, um, underlying stress and, uh, you know, we, you got to look at the, the, the nervous system of the human being like a sponge because it very much is so have you ever and, had have you ever had a, a sleep paralysis episode i've had a couple but it's been I, I was a child and they weren't as intense um you know it was like definitely genuine sleep paralysis but um in terms of the experience but i never really had anything specifically paranormal happen no because um, i've only ha- had a two experiences and they were both, I think, three and four years ago. One of them was after a long camping trip uh, where I didn't sleep and we were using psychoactive compounds. Um, and uh, I came home to get, like, to catch up on sleep before, you know, I had to make my next move to, you know, drive. And, uh, yeah, it was really, it felt like I was being pulled back into the bed. I couldn't move. I was, like, paralyzed. And then I was seeing all sorts of weird visions, but it was, like, planets and things like in like weird stars and things like that. It wasn't necessarily like entities like people keep talking about. And then my second experience was during the daytime and I didn't get much sleep the night before. And again, I was sitting on my couch. I felt like I was being pulled back into my couch and a white light like flooded over me and I couldn't move. And the more I tried to struggle, the more it like pulls you back and you almost just have to give in to it for it to stop. If that makes sense. Yeah. You have to, you have to like, ease up like the more you fight it the more it's going to pull you down you know like you just have to give up give into it and then it seemed to fade away after that from my experience and i don't know if that sounds traditional to anybody but those were my experiences with it and i know it was sleep paralysis because i was paralyzed i, I would assume that mm-hmm. that's yeah the, the weird thing though and i don't know if you can speak to this i've heard like dr matthew walker talking about this kind of stuff and trying to explain it saying you're going to dream even if you haven't slept. So at some point it's going to catch up with you and you're going to get into that state even if you haven't gone to bed. So I don't know if that's the catalyst for that or if it's, like you said, circadian rhythms or melatonin, something happening in your brain or whatever. Yeah, I think the big big connection is the the being overtired because I hear that a lot from a lot of people. So Yeah, and... um you know, overtired, um, essentially boiling down to, uh, a, an accumulation of stress, most certainly as I mean, you, uh, there are studies to show that people, um, who suffer from sleep paralysis are more apt to have, um, you know, to be highly neurotic and that's not a dig on anybody. I'm neurotic as well, but like, you know, the agoraphobia, isn't? everybody's yeah. neurotic to a certain point, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So, and I mean, and if you don't handle that neuroticism, um, at least somewhat effectively, then it will, your cup will overfloweth, and then things start to happen, you know, whether it just be crazy dreams or just simple restlessness or maybe Why do you, you think start some people are again, negative? Maybe though? you start seeing things. 
why do you th- why do you think some people's sleep paralysis uh things are negative and some like mine seemed kind of positive it was almost like the first one was like a psychedelic vision this almost. guy went on an adventure <laughs> <laughs> it, it it was weird i'm not gonna lie uh it almost like it felt like an epiphany like i was being shown something but what i was being shown didn't make any sense to me if that makes sense i don't know if it does but uh uh and then the second one uh like i said it was just like a white light so they weren't like negative entities or like i know our buddy lee's had they're almost like nightmares you know so mm-hmm. or these people that experience these entities over their bed or uh what's that uh old hags disease or uh, mm-hmm. and then there's the hat man there's the yeah, shadow man dude that's the exactly like the show we were just talking about yeah absolutely yeah absolutely it's in that show i think we were uh-huh. talking about this before maybe with you or maybe it was just a dream i had i don't know <laughs> um um but uh well, you asked a specific oh, so, question. So, yeah, I was saying, oh. why is some people? Why do you think some people's experiences are negative with like nightmares, and then mine? Maybe mine wasn't intense enough or something, but mine almost seemed more like a pleasant experience or like a dream or something. But I was paralyzed for sure. Well, you know, I think that um, given the relationship to like altered states of consciousness in general here, um, the psychedelic is not a, a bad. A comparison to be made here and i think that there is a bit of like a purgative aspect to these things where um you know come what may and um things that are trying to get out will get out and if you've cleaned house already then you might not have you know there are certain you know because i i guess this is the point in, the, in the, the long run um at least initially speaking is like there are certain biological um control methods that we can look into certain biological points um, of research, but one uh, launching points. Uh, but after that, you know, um, that's where things start to get, um, you know, once you get into the imaginal not the imaginary, but the imaginal, the psychical, um, you know, the physics of the psyche, um, things are, they're, they're always trying to, um, you know, w- whether it be dreams or anything else, once you, once you step into that ground, if you, again, if you haven't uh, done some sort of purge process, then it's going to happen. It's like, it's like what happens when you, uh, when you drink some ayahuasca tea, you know? Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously most people that have listened to our show that, you know, we've talked about that a lot of times and kind of, you know, people that describe these bad trips are usually people that just haven't, they have something going on in their life that they haven't dealt with or something like that. And it kind of comes out. So you're saying it can be something similar within this dream or sleep paralysis state where it's some issue that they haven't been dealing with to that point And it comes out through that experience. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess that, that makes sense, uh, for sure. If that is what is happening. Um, but the mind's just so weird. And as Maurice mentioned, we don't really know what's going on with dreams and, uh, nightmares and stuff. Since we are getting closer to Halloween, maybe we should shift Ooh. to some more demonology. Oh um, my Lord. Yeah. This is perfect to yeah. think about right before bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, the whole uh, the whole sleep paralysis thing is as um, natural a segue as any. Because um, it's a it's a strange middle ground where um, again, I, so I don't think that people who experience sleep something like sleep paralysis are being um, you know, are encountering demons or something so straightforward like that. But I do think that strange things happen. And ultimately, you know, and you know, we can flesh this out more as we talk, but, you know, just uh, some initial groundwork here. It really does seem that the imaginal structures, 
you know, that we're starting to talk about more, um, or complete that Valean circuitry that we're talking about. You know, um, uh, John Keel himself called this uh, Fortean phenomena. He said that in many ways, at least more often than not, they represent omens. Um, you know, in the way that uh, the Mothman seemed to uh, foreshadow the collapse of the Silver Bridge. I and mean, I will say that first one that I had, that first did feel something like, like I was being shown something with like, uh, there was like a big star and like a little star behind it, you know. And I'm trying to figure out, is this like, uh, you know, Grateful Dead Dark Star? What's going on here? I just don't know. But he <laughs> didn't write a song afterwards. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think that, that there's something to that. I mean, again... I'm not really well versed in all the the fourteen stuff, as you know, or at least as much as you or some of the other people we've had on the show. But uh, I think that if anybody claims that these weird things are just coincidences, I think that that's definitely short sighted because there it does feel like there's something to it. Now, I mean, again, I don't have any answers, but I have experienced weird things. So, yeah, like I think both can. Uh, I think both exist on a continuum. Both being just very simple basic medical sleep paralysis and then with uh with certain preconditions um like a variety of preconditions that essentially amount to a really intensive um stress and pressure uh like physically building up in your nervous system uh things can can go haywire and you know provide some sort of proverbial bottle for a genie um, you know, sometimes these things are simply just projections of the psyche. And other times I think that at least theoretically, you know, in rare cases, there there could very well be something on the other side. But I don't think that's always the case. And I think then and that's a statement that I would make across the board with all these things the further we get into, because there's. Yeah. I mean, yeah. where do you guys want to go next? There's, no, I mean, you know, I mean, I this really is kind of what to... Maurice and I were fighting over. We got in a fight kind of last <laughs> night at the end of the episode we did last night because we were we did like all ancient Greek megalithic structures and then uh, the arc or the uh, the classical architecture and everything. But then at the end, you know, we got into a whole debate about like gods and goddesses and stuff. And I was like, where are the gods? Where are these gods and goddesses? Where are these uh, beings, these entities and whatever. And the only explanation I have is altered states of consciousness, whether it be sleep paralysis, psychedelic experiences, meditation, uh, you know, all of them, I would say that psychedelics is the most fascinating one in the sense that it's the only thing that you can do to interact with the physical world in a waking state. All the other ones require you to kind of be either, you know, even meditation, you're, you're awake, but you're not really fully there, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's something to be said. This is something that I, um, uh, no one really has any of the answers to, but I definitely make strides to just kind of sift through and hunt manual a little bit. You know, the the strange middle ground um, that you find on historical record, you know, between you would call like hallucination or entrancement, whether it be an individual or on a mass scale, um, and you know what I would call transphysical phenomena. Um, you know, because it does seem to be in very rare cases, you know, the more you look into things, the more that um, some things just come out of nowhere from our vantage point. That doesn't mean they come out of nowhere um, to begin with. But, you know, so there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of woo, you know, that you can find in the paranormal and a lot of this that I go into with Hunt Manual because, you know, Dive Manual, the book prior was had a little bit of this 14 stuff and it was very esoteric um 
And this book is kind of flipped. You know, there's still a lot of esotericism in there, but uh, now it's a real dive uh, or a hunt, if you will, into, uh, yeah, like the paranormal and things horrific and stuff. Um, but, um, you know, so, there's... So what's your hypothesis? Do you have a hypothesis? For, I mean, not to like ruin the book if that's the end point, but do you have like a hypothesis of why people experience this? I mean, because we've, I think even the last time we were on the, sh- you know, you were on the show, I think... I even mentioned this idea, you know, like when you're running up the stairs when you're a kid and turn the lights off in the basement and, you know, you get this feeling like something's behind you, you know, but that is in your mind. There's nothing behind you. You know what I'm saying? So, or is um, there? (laughs) So what do you think? Like, do you have a hypothesis for like, why, you know, are these like, uh, epigenetic ghosts or epigenetic, uh, you know, things of the past that are still haunting us or like, what do you think's going on? I mean, in some ways, that's why I wrote a book, because it's it's a hard thing to just explain in one sentence. But um, what I can say is that uh, there's, you know, again, nobody has the full answers. But if anything, I'm trying to uh, just like help build some more uh, serious groundwork here uh, to some of these crazy, interesting topics. And, you know, I think it boils down to um, the fact that. It starts with um, symbols as, you know, um, you know, because, again, for anybody that it, uh, is unaware or doesn't remember, uh, the idea of a, uh, a meme is something to the psyche that genes are to the physical body. And if you look at symbols in that way, uh, archetypes being what is uh, intrinsically represented um, in our psyche you know the thing and uh, and memes being what we exchange between each other so the memes are the physicalized aspect of it essentially but when you get into you know uh symbols essentially as some sort of living exchange of consciousness in that way something that in turn affects our biology and adaptation process on very literal physical levels um well, I mean, the boundaries between the subjective and objective start to get blurred a bit more um, because, I mean, obviously you could see, you know, it's the whole Kantian Copernican model, which sounds very obvious, but it's important to, you know, emphasize in conversations like this. There are things, there's objectivity, and then there are things as the human being perceives them, you know, the subjective. And I mean, it's, I, I think sometimes people get caught up in like trying to understand which is one or the other and they certainly bleed into each other sometimes you can't really tell the difference um and that's where a lot of um you know in some cases that's how you know that you're having a mental breakdown (laughs) but in other cases that's uh you know that's the definition of a mystical experience or an unexplainable one and you know we've talked about this as well uh so to a little bit of a callback, you know, we've talked about like Sasquatch and things and about how I don't discredit people going out and looking for Sasquatch. I think that that's a fine endeavor. And I think that you could probably find some things out there, but I don't think that Sasquatch is an actual living thing out there that breeds and has families and things. I think, you know, um, it, it has something more to do. Uh, it, the living so there's no Harry the, and the Hendersons. Is this what you're telling no. me? That is definitely what I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. If anything, popcorn I, chilling on the couch. Yeah, that's a classic, though. <laughs> Let's face it, that's a classic. Yeah, yeah. Gotta love it. But you know, I you know I don't think that um um I'm not one to discount the experiencer, but I don't think that you know I think at a certain point 
Yeah, I don't. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, man. I don't know some of those shows, and 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 I mean this no offense to anybody, but it just seems like some of the Bigfoot stuff, some of the ghost stuff, and I'm not saying because there is some stuff that I have, you know. Well, I shouldn't say that because I haven't seen anything that's been really that. Uh, you know, I, I people have hobbies, some... right? I, no, I just I just want to get this. Like people have hobbies. Like I'm all for like kind of what you're saying. Like go do your thing. I'm not gonna like make fun of you or anything like that. But if you're telling me that this parrot, you, you know, like I, I see online on forums and stuff like that. It's just pareidolia. Like people are like, look at this Sasquatch and the, you know, and it's like a bird in a tree or something, you know, it's like things like, that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. like what or, are we doing at less. this point? You know, like uh, again, the Sasquatch thing, like the most credible thing out there is what the Gimlin video or whatever. Isn't that the most that people point yeah, to? It's like, yeah. Like if there was something good. real. Okay. So let's say that's the best evidence that there is. Okay. The guy is. The guy's best friend who lives down the street from him said he was the dude in the suit. You know, right. like, like I'm just saying, like, why would that guy make that up? He's like, I have nothing to gain from, you know, like, yeah. Uh, so it's like, what are we, at this point, what are we doing? And you're saying search for, it's like searching for, like ghost hunters. That's do again, do your thing. I'm not making fun of it. Is it my thing? No. Uh, but it's, I think it's completely different than let's say like a UFO thing where uh, military people are seeing them. Uh, you know, there's radar data, there's sensory data, there's videos, you know, there's, there is actual stuff. Now there's not a ton of credible evidence cause there's a lot of, you know, tomfoolery going on with that too. But I would say that's where I think the UFO UAP stuff differs from the Bigfoot and the ghost stuff. There's just not as much stuff you can hang your hat on with the other ones, in my opinion. Um, those are good points, but I will say that the the UFO thing is um it it kind of exists on like a higher echelon you know it it's I mean it's naturally received it's in a position to be of more interest uh, to begin with uh, to the this. government have you seen a weird thing that you can't explain in the sky yes I know you have I that was a trick question <laughs> uh, we all have Maurice has I for sure have okay and I was in a normal state of consciousness now. Have I seen a Bigfoot or a ghost? No. Have you? Have you seen a Bigfoot or a ghost? Mm, I have not. Okay. Maurice, have you seen a Bigfoot or a ghost? Nope. Just okay, hairy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well we're all, we've all been in the woods a million times. And, and Anthony, you grew up in Alaska. I would assume if anybody's seen a Sasquatch, it would have been you. Um, and again... <laughs> Does that mean that nothing like that? No, we know Gigantopithecus existed. You know, like there could have been again some epigenetic memory from us living aside, you know, alongside them a long time ago, and it's just built into our DNA to think or like reminisce or you know have these maybe fleeting moments. But again, I'm not trying to diminish anybody, and people can believe what they want. You know, if you listen to our show, you know we're pretty open-minded people. So if somebody brought some compelling you know evidence forward, I would change my mind if I felt like it was enough to change my mind, but I, I've never seen anything that was like, wow, that's shocking to me other than some of the UFO stuff and having seen weird stuff myself. So, well, I think that there is some pretty compelling evidence out there. Um, uh, at the very least, uh, for the paranormal. Um, and I think that the only reason that it, it doesn't seem like it is because you really have to dig deep. And um, there's some stuff that I talk about in the book. Uh, I'll get into it with you guys a, a little bit as well. But to make a point uh, quickly and move forward, um, I think that it's 
you know, a paranormal, nothing paranormal truly causes uh, any sort of potential threat to national security. Um, but um, and I also think um, I think there's something to be said for the um, amount of people who see UFOs. So uh, I, that is a that is a good point. Um, but I also think that, you know, these things like ghost shows and things like anything you find on TV, like ghost shows are as, just as much BS as ancient aliens. And uh, it's it's all just first and foremost news or uh, not news headlines, but it's just dollar signs. And uh, and most of that stuff is staged. I mean, specifically with the paranormal stuff. I, 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 I think if you really pin most of those people against a wall, like at a party or something, yeah, they had a couple of drinks in them. I don't even think they would, <laughs> they would uh, hold the line very seriously. Um, you know, it's kind of I look at those paranormal shows like like WWE wrestling. Mm. You know, it's it's theatrical. I don't can entertain it yourself if you want to go out in the woods or look for Bigfoot or a ghost. I, like again, do your thing. I'm not saying it's like a waste of time. If you find entertainment in it and you like it, go do it. You know, whatever. There's shit that I'm interested in and people are probably like, I don't, you know, care about this or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I'm all about doing what you want to do. Uh, I just think that if we're talking about like objective truth, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think enough people are aware of their own cognitive biases or, you know, like you said, people are willing to go along with things from like an entertainment standpoint. Um, and it just seems like it's, they're not, a, they're, they're participating, but they're not really aware of that aspect of it. Right. 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 Yeah. There's there's a huge angle and aspect of myth making here. And some of that is intentional and some of that is in this sort of living mythological narrative um, and this kind of union projection and us sort of sifting through our own projections. Like you look at things like so there's a lot of like genuinely interesting, um, you know, unexplainable phenomena. And uh, but there's, you know, for every bit of interesting data, there's so much more that's uh just silly uh you know like owl man uh, i talked about this with justin otto on his podcast we we're having a, a a little bit of a jab at owl man uh because i mean realistically this is the cornish owl man in england in the 70s i mean it's it was just a giant owl like it was a mothman's brother yeah yeah i mean and and that's that's kind of the inside joke too is because mothman could be an owl but there was a lot of weird stuff going on in point pleasant and like the the story of the owl man is literally just a giant owl the size of a man that's the only thing that makes it cryptid to begin with so like if people Dude, just thought creepy it was in itself why do you even need to turn it into a man like just the yeah, fact that there's an owl yeah. a five foot owl i would i would take a dump in my pants you know if i saw yeah it and it probably wasn't even that big anyway and there's a lot there's so many stories like that like there's 10 different nessie variations now that um, one same thing like people still exactly. think that that one video it's like a toy in the water a black that black it and is. white video it's a toy in the water and people mm -hmm. still like post that like look at this it's the Loch Ness monster <laughs> like like how do you expect me to take that seriously i can't well, you they know? just saw the Loch Ness bro oh yeah right. that was another reports. thing going around recently Morris um, believes that so the... i believe everything i don't question anything <laughs> <laughs> you know there's um so in writing this book a little bit um, there's, uh, I'll tell you guys some stories that I came across. Um, one, yeah, what's, uh, the, what's the, give me some, try and, you know, uh, turn me a little on this, you know, like sh sh tell me something that you think will change my mind a little here. Okay. And, uh, uh, first I'll very briefly tell you guys a fun story that won't make you change your mind. Now it is a book called the goblin universe, um, that, um, I was not inspired by, but at the end of, or like you know, deep in the process of writing this book, I kind of came across it. And it was, uh, it was, um, 
it was exciting a little bit because it's an old book and it is uh, it was it's basically a rough draft by a Fortean uh, investigator called Bob Holiday, and it was published in the 80s or something. And he uh, it was a rough draft that was published because he ended up passing away. And uh, and so it's a bit rough and you can't even find copies of it anymore. But you can find, you know, they're like six hundred dollars and you can't get a digital copy. But You can find people who have talked about it. And there's like podcasts that uh, go into detail about it. So. Um, and there's there's one story um, in the book where um, and this is kind of like tongue in cheek. They weren't sure if this was going to work. But the whole th- premise of the Goblin universe is very similar to what we're talking about here, except not as fleshed out. This whole idea of um, this motif of unexplainable phenomena and the union shadow complex and uh, and uh, and and so forth. And so Bob Holiday and two Catholic priests, Scottish Catholic priests, actually go out on a rowboat to the middle of Loch Ness in the 70s or 80s or something and attempt to exercise the lock of the spirit of Nessie because they were uh, their hypothesis was that kind of similar to what we're talking about here again, that these things don't exist on a physical level. They might uh, have some sort of transphysical trickery to them in like a similar like hypnosis sort of like a hypnagogic psychedelic sort of way but really these things are mimetic entities um that exist in the collective psyche and complete this valet circuit that we're talking about and so he says nessie is this mimetic spirit that lives in loch ness so we're going to go out and exercise it and it did not work people still <laughs> see nessie <laughs> uh, but it, but it, yeah, it's, sometimes it's, fun... it's like a bunch of sturgeon or something like you know sometimes it's some some otters or you know it's it's these different pictures like and again, I'm not trying to explain away everything. I do think that there's weird things in the world, but I think sometimes we put too much stock in the ones that have very little evidence. Like it's almost like a willingness to or a wantiness to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, exactly. And th- and that's fine. I have no problem with that. But again, don't argue with me that it's some sort of a objective truth that you discovered this thing when there's really no proof, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you're going to look into this stuff at all, First and foremost, you have to be willing to, um, like, you know, just right off the bat, separate the myth making, whether it be conscious or unconscious, you know, from the stuff that we just don't understand yet. And so there are some cases like, you know, for example, there's uh, there was a poltergeist, the Church Street poltergeist uh, in St. Catharines, Canada uh, in the mid 70s. And this was a this was a 28 day event, and this is something that you don't really hear talked about that often. It does float around a little bit um, with researchers, but it's really not like a big. Um, it but it but it but it was at the time. See, it so let me set the stage first before going into the details of the events a little bit. Now this was uh you know this surrounded a family and uh, and and police got involved, and there was a police report written about it and about the ongoing events. Um, and the confusion that the police experienced and it was meant to be a very hush hush thing You know, no one was interested the family's never gone on record No one was interested in making a, a big deal about it But somehow it leaked to the local press and it was uh, so outrageous and interesting because it was a police re- report that specifically detailed poltergeist phenomena uh, It made its way all the way to uh, Johnny Carson and you know became like a real big event, but um you know, to this day, the family has been very, you know, it's very much the opposite of something like the Amityville horror where Bob and um, the I can't remember their names, but, uh, the, you know, the Warrens came in and that very much seems to have been just a whole um, 
you know, essential fabrication. I mean, if you really want to be analytical about it, the whole Amityville horror thing, but something like this, the church street poltergeist. So police come in after, um, um, reports of disturbance, you know, the, uh, there's all sorts of, um, commotion coming from the apartment and these things, cause it's in an apartment complex. And, um, um, long story short, uh, police start to witness, uh, and the sergeant writes the police report. I mean, you can find the actual report online. You can find interviews with these police officers. None of them are paranormal enthusiasts. Uh, they never have been. And, uh, you know, they start to witness the classical, um, poltergeist phenomena. They look into all the different angles. Um, you know, they look into all the, the odds and ends that, you know, just due diligence, like looking into the structure of the apartment complex, interviewing the, uh, the owner and all the neighbors and intensively interviewing the family and things. And they see this kid getting hurled around the room and they see things getting hurled around the room and, uh, and there's no way to explain it. And, um, the, you know, this happens, the, you know, they get hordes of people outside. It becomes a whole event, like I said, and, uh, the real cherry on top there is cause there's a lot of data that there, or there's a lot of, uh, uh, material that they talk about. But again, in the police report himself, the sergeant says, I have no other explanation for any of these events except for the fact that this kid is being affected by the spirit of a poltergeist. And there's one uh, instance in specific where, you know, because the police are coming to routinely check up on the family at this point because they don't know what's happening. And they also are uh, concerned of the media attention. And uh, and there's also some neighbors around. And so there's like a handful of people in their living room. Some of them are sitting on the seat. One of those people sitting down is a police officer. And mind you, there's uh, some other police officers in the room looking at the people sitting there. This is all very important because uh, during the conversation, the the uh, the chair, the couch levitates off the ground, feet into the air. Everyone is privy to it. Um, and the police officers go on record talking about it and everything. Um, when did this happen? And this was in the uh, the mid 70s. Okay. And again, you can find the police report online and you can find the interviews with some of these officers. Um, um and after 28 days, it just stopped. You know, no one knows why. And there's other really heavily documented cases like, um, um, you know, some of these are uh, more recent than others. But, um, well, you know, do, do a you think lot it, of them. Um, if I could add that, do you think that mm-hmm. uh, something like that, again, not to add explanations or anything like that, but do you think that there could be something at play, almost like a, you said that happened in Canada? Yes. Like some sort of Canadian version of uh, MK Ultra or something like that where people were unaware that they, you know, weren't fully there or something like that, you know? Anything's possible. See, this is this is a a, a big point that I'm trying to make uh just like with this book in general is um at a certain point you got to stop looking for you know, we're like we're asking the wrong questions and you got to stop looking for the answers and just try and focus on forming a proper question. And 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 that starts with, you know, really sifting through what's the difference between the hearsay and something like a, a police report, because, you know, I got a police report that talks about Sasquatch in the book. Mm-hmm. I got police reports that talk about possession and. Well, I want to be clear. I, I think people see weird things. I'm not saying that they don't. I just, again. Right. Right. You know, I think we we already covered the fact that physically there's never been any like bones or anything other than Gigantopithecus uh, skulls and, and molars and stuff like that. So. We have an episode 
I don't know what the number is, but oh, we do people... with our good buddy Jay Lady. Hey, um, if you want to get into it and you want to take, yeah, he some... records like frequencies and sounds. I mean, he's doing some interesting stuff, no doubt. I wanted to have somebody like him on that actually takes interesting approaches to this stuff. But I again, I'm going to walk away again with my my hypothesis already laid out there, which is a common one for people that obviously understand that stuff weird stuff happens, but there's no real physical explanation for it. So, I mean, but you you bring up a good point. I mean, weird stuff does happen and we do try and find physical explanations. You know, that's what we do ever since Thales, uh, you know, started making physical observations that turned into science. That's all we've been really doing. Right. You know, instead of the gods doing this or the gods doing that, it turned into, Oh, there's a real, you know, physical explanation for this thing. So I think that that's where we're stuck and consciousness wise and humanity is kind of that scientific mind based in philosophy. So, um, I would say that that's probably why we're at the point you're talking about where the, that's the way we look at things. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the issues, it's not a problem. It's just an obstacle with the scientific method is that, I don't know, and maybe it's more human nature than even the scientific method per se, but, you know, we're, we really have a hard time with, like, incompleteness and incongruencies, and, you know, people, if if there's, just, you know, just all the different, you know, there's there's missing pieces in physics and all these different things, and it drives people absolutely bonkers, um, but I, and, and it would be great to know all those things, but, I mean, at a certain point, so sometimes you just have to wait mm. like that's you know that's so much of life it's uh if anyone who's ever grown a plant knows that it doesn't matter how bad you want that plant to grow that right now you just gotta wait and like i think the same can be said with the scientific method like some things we just don't we aren't going to understand yet and hopefully we will at some point and it's important to keep trying but if you try and pigeonhole an answer too soon not only is it going to be wrong but you know it's going to bring the whole house of cards crumbling eventually yeah, you know, I, mean, I, th- gonna... I think if most scientists just, un- you know, I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of them do. A lot of them have studied philosophy, but there is a good portion I've seen where either they forgot it or they don't practice it. But uh, having that philosophy of science, the idea that it's an ever evolving picture and knowing that what you're doing is going to contribute to this like Sisyphus pu- pushing the boulder up this never ending, you know, mountain you know, and, and just accepting that as opposed to being like, I'm the person that's going to discover this and it's going to change everything and it's going to be known forever. Like that's not going to happen. That's not science. Right. So right. I think that that's kind of part of the problem. What you're talking about is like this, I think the wanting to do that does push things along, but how much does it affect that pivot at a critical moment to something else? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. And you know, I don't know to kind of bring this, home plate a little bit especially for any listeners we're talking about all sorts of different stuff but i really Mm. think it it all ties together very specifically and you know reason being and again this is a strong running theme probably the biggest running theme throughout uh hunt manual but the idea that this unexplainable phenomena has at least from the human's point of view everything to do with the Jungian shadow you know that which we do not understand or have uh or that which we do not understand uh and is not readily accessible to our conscious mind um and 
you know, the best way to person to the best way to wrap your head around psychological components like that is obviously symbols, archetypes. And, um, you know, because for, for anybody that uh, does not remember, I've, I've probably mentioned it before, but the four basic components, the union components of the psyche are the uh, the mother, the father, the logos and the shadow. And, um, you know, the shadow at its worst is uh, um, I'm not sure what the uh it, it would be of mephistopheles i'm not sure what that would mestifophelian i don't know what you, how you would say that but uh <laughs> you know mephistopheles the whole the faustian devil um uh that gives faust uh limitless power um when he summons him up and then uh and so that would be the 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 worst end of the shadow the best end of the shadow uh being um virgil in dante's divine comedy who is the uh the pagan roman poet that is not a devil but he's not divine he's not allowed in heaven but he guides dante through hell and purgatory um but there's a lot of symbolism i could unpack in there but um i mean essentially the it, it, the whole point of the shadow i mean we there's a lot that uh we could open up here but um it if it encompasses you know everything which we do not really understand yet about ourselves and the world and there's going to be some good in there but there's also going to be some some really nefarious stuff like you don't necessarily need to use the word evil um but maybe predatory you could certainly say um whether it be in the archetypal or literal sense um there are definitely destructive aspects of the shadow and uh and so I, you know i think there's something to be said for the fact that you know i certainly don't have like the classical christian idea of there's just divine and demonic. I, I certainly think that there's, um, you know, at least archetypally speaking, there's that divine and d- demonic and also that gray area that, uh, that like, like, a, like the Islamic jinn or, uh, something similar to, you know, just the Greek word daemon for just spirit in general. So that, yeah, uh, I mean, that, Socrates that used to area. talk to his own personal daemon. Um, right. So, I mean, well, at least that's what Plato wrote. Uh, (laughs) maybe it was plato maybe it was plato uh (laughs) but um i also want to point out one more thing about science is science is really good at explaining how right you know but it's not good at all really explaining why and i think the why is what's more interesting to us right as human beings like that's is their purpose is purpose something that we created ourselves you know that's something i definitely think about all the time um, cause it, that is probably other than what happens when we die, you know, is there a purpose? And if not, do we create our own purpose? Does it matter? You know, that kind of a thing. So. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. You know, and some people say that, um, you wouldn't really have purpose without religion or spirituality. Um, I think that might be a little bit of an overstatement, um, well, at least in today's society, but we wouldn't have had it to begin with without spirituality and religion because uh that's for sure but i i don't think you have to be you know there's that like i don't i guess it's just like a saying i don't know if it comes from like some sort of study that was out there or whatever but um there's probably some studies involved but they say that you know uh people who are like atheist and uh, like materialist scientific atheists are genuine generally more you know pessimistic and um uh, that people with religion have. Um, oh, for sure, um, man. I mean, I, yeah. I watch enough science videos and science communicators and educators that they are 
definitely a lot more nihilistic and almost like hopeless in some way when you listen to him talk like a Richard Dawkins like oh give me a break you know like yeah we've we've talked about that you know and I would definitely. say though I would say even though like you're talking about like purpose too like maybe even evolution itself has purpose in it in the sense that we're trying to survive right so just that alone is purpose now does it go beyond that is there some bigger picture purpose I think that that's what most people think about but but you're right about the whole you know, tone within that, that mindset, it's very depressing to listen to, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that there's a, um, you know, I think that, um, as long as you don't think that, you know, as long as you think that the human being has some sort of free will, no matter how nuanced and no matter how much you have to maybe fight for some of that free will in your own mind, if you think that you have some sort of autonomy, then, um, you know, I think it's pretty evident that there is no set meaning or like purpose to life whatsoever other than, um, you know, you make it. And I think that, uh, to some people that seems anticlimactic and to some people that seems like terrifying. And I don't really know why for either of them, because I mean, a blank canvas is, is pretty exciting to me. There's a lot of potential there. Um, I, you know, it's, it's really just perspective mm. in the long run, I guess. Um, but you know, um, I don't know. There's uh yeah, I, the science, Science can definitely jade you, but um, I don't. I don't necessarily think that uh, religion or spirituality always ha- is uh, like necessarily an antidote for that sort of pessimism either. Because, um, and maybe if it is, um, it's at the overcompensation. Um, you know, because uh, maybe when people become less pessimistic, they become really, really. Um, I don't know what's just the politest way to put it. You know, people get too wooey. They get too far out there. And mm-hmm. then some people get really, you know, you know hellfire and brimstone with it. Um, the woo's so. fun, though. I, I Look, I understand <laughs> from like a cognitive bias standpoint, I understand the woo, you know, and wanting the pareidolia and wanting to find the connections and putting these pieces together and it being fun. It's almost like a puzzle, you know, and uh, but I think you can go down a road where you're convincing yourself that this is the answer. This is the truth. Maybe it's your truth, but again, I mean, for me personally, I'm always looking for that that thing outside of me. Is there something that connects us all together? What is this thing, this objective True. thing? Does that exist? You know, that's just my own journey, but I know people like to argue. I would just say, if you're into that kind of stuff, just don't argue with people, you know, just do your thing, right. and, you know? And yeah. So, I don't know. Um. You know, along the lines of like all of this unexplainable phenomena and stuff, I remember I mentioned it before because I I got a kick out of the fact that um um it, Maurice said it was his favorite movie uh, or one of them at least Donnie Darko. Um, mm, it's it, it's worth bringing up again here. Yeah, because it's a great movie and that uh, without biting on it because this is a motif that we've you know explained that. Uh, a recurring theme in a lot of other people's research. So it's not just from this movie, but I mean, for whatever it's worth, like this whole idea of unexplainable phenomena being like an omen of sorts, um, there's some sort of, uh, uh, you know, even if it exists outside of you in some way, it's clearly in some way interacting with 
um, projectional aspects of yourself in similar ways to dreams. I mean, that's exactly what Frank was for for Donnie it was on the the time scale continuum. Frank was this was this weird karmic haunting of the whole situation, um, and uh, and I I really think that it's. So I don't think this is where, as I've I've used this uh, phrase before, this is not where the trail of breadcrumbs ends. This is where it begins. But um, I ve- I very much think that you can look at something like if you have a truly unexplainable sighting, anything cryptozoological, paranormal, whatever, you know, there's the, the there's a few takeaways. There, there's very few takeaways uh, that <laughs> you could truly have with it. But uh, for one, I think. Um, you know, sometimes people trick themselves. You know, we know that eyewitness accounts can be fuzzy and stuff like that. But there's a lot of other times um, when you're looking into these cases where people just see astonishing things. And, you know, we, we, we don't have any better explanation for it. But we know that they see these things. And, um, and you know, I think that if we're going to say – so if there's no physical evidence, then let's say that it's not physical. You know, like it, it's the whole argument that we've made and that you uh, you uh, elaborated well with Sasquatch and everything else. So if it is there, if it's still there on some level, then like how do you quantify it? What's like the metric? Um, how is it? Why? You know, why? Because everything has some sort of purpose, um, no matter how small. And I really think that these things like – I have a I have a uh, a sentence in the book where I um I equate this is going to rile up some other feathers but uh you know we we've talked about this in the past as well so you can go listen to our conversation there but I think that in many ways you could describe something like a UFO um as something like a flying poltergeist you know I think that there is weird phenomena that can take on um if it's not physical we certainly perceive it to be physical uh, and it interacts with us in a way that uh, we perceive to be physical, but um, I don't think they're non-existent. But you know, even with the UFO, I'm I'm still pretty skeptical about how physical these things are because, for me, uh, I've looked into the data of a lot of different unexplainable stuff, all the stuff that we've talked about, and you can find very compelling. For all you know, again. For all the, the the silly cases you could find, you could find at least a few compelling cases for just about anything you look into if you dig deep enough, whether it's Sasquatch or anything else. And you know, the same is with the UFO. So we could, so people can say, well, like, how could the UFO be on radars and all and, and and all these other things? And you know, as far as I'm concerned, from my vantage point. Yeah, I think it's the same way that a Sasquatch leaves footprints in the ground or a quote unquote poltergeist slings a kid across the room constantly or lifts a chair or um, or, you know, the the same reason that um, people get conjunctivitis in their eyes when they see Mothman. And, you know, the same reason that 70,000 people witness the Virgin Mary, uh, you know, at Fatima in Portugal, you can go on and on. And also for anyone that. um um, would like to follow up on any of this kind of uh, like projectional paranormal type stuff. Uh, Michael Talbot's book, The Holographic Universe, is definitely on this same kind of nod for sure. It goes in some different directions, but um, definitely not entirely. Um, you know, it. Uh, I would definitely consider it like 
some uh, a bit of an inspiration for Hunt Manual for sure. I mean, the holographic universe is a book I see tossed around and recommended to this day. is definitely a classic. Have you guys read it? No. Oh. Oh man, you really should both of you. You'd absolutely love it. It's a really good one. Yeah, no, I'll check it out. I know I see people talking about it all the time, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah it's been I mean, a long I... time since I read it. But that was a book that um, I've read a couple times, and it was a big inspiration to me um, when I first read it. Yeah, I mean, I would I would push back a little bit on the UFO stuff uh, being the same thing as like Bigfoot um, and all that, only because. I, I well, first of all, let's get this out of the way. I think all people that are like, oh, I'm a nuts and bolts UFO guy, or oh, I'm a consciousness UFO, or I'm somewhere in the middle, or I believe both. Everything is consciousness based because everything we observe, measure, uh, experience is all directly through our consciousness. So technically, everything is consciousness based. So I don't know where this argument came from separating, like unless you don't believe there is actual consciousness and this is just some sort of, um, you know, extra perception of our nervous system or something, then I don't know how you could make that argument differentiating things between the material world and the non-material world because everything would be the same based on what consciousness is. So um, That's yeah, a good point. You could make the people... argument that there is like a physical, like I can touch this desk, but my thoughts in my mind are different, right? You know, like, so, like, what is that? You can't really quantify that, or at least we can't yet. But what people, I think, it's, those are really good points. What people really want to know when they're talking about it, physical or non-physical is, like, you know, the tree falling in the forest argument. If a UFO crashes in the forest and no one is around to see it, then does it actually crash? And I, I, I think that that's a question worth asking. Um um, you know, in that Valayan circuitry motif. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm, you know, I, I'm not, you know, uh, opposed to the idea that, you know, I do think for one, that there are extraterrestrials out there. Um, you know, and it's certainly possible that they could be visiting us at least occasionally. Well, I mean, statistically, and, it's probable that there's definitely life out there. So, I mean, yeah, certainly, certainly. Even and if so, you're I a mean, math person, you know, like that you have to at least take those odds. Right, right. But it's a different question um, how likely of uh, that they're actually visiting us, which I still, you know, you could still toss that into the equation. I don't think we have to completely throw that out. Just like I don't think we. Um, you know, because all of these things, this is it's it's myth making. Right. Uh, and I'm not saying that they're non-existent, but when, as soon as you look into a topic like like the UFO, you automatically have to look at all of the different uh, accumulative factors. Like, you know, there's just reports at large, you know, everyone from um, from, uh, you know, a, like a government pilot to a layman just seeing something in the sky. Um, you know, some of these things are going to be drones. Some of these things are just going to be like misidentified, uh, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Some of these things are going to be black budget government things. And some of these things are going to be genuinely unexplainable. And so, I mean, first and foremost, you got to separate all of those on a case by case basis. So, I mean, if you're talking about ufology as a whole, there are certainly physical things in there and non-physical things. But like, what is the core of it? What is the crux of this all? Like, is there a UFO flying around even when people aren't looking at it um and you know it, how consistent is it um 
it, 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 I, uh, you don't have to convince me, man. I wrote a blog about this specific thing uh, on our website. No, yeah. I talk about like the Greek gods and equate it to like how people believe that there was these gods and they manipulated the weather and different, you know, physical phenomena and things like that. And people believe, you know, there is this like transition happening where you see like less people getting into religions, more people getting into like UFOs and spirituality and weird, weird, weirder things. Right. So, um, I think that there's like this alien of the gaps thing happening now where it's just something to believe in to fill that, that void that's there. Cause people don't know what the next, you know, maybe this, maybe all that stuff, you know, like religion and everything and the belief in things is tied to evolution somehow. And it creates this, this vehicle for us to like dangle a carrot in front of us, or maybe there is something metaphysical happening. I don't know, but, uh, either way, you get the nail on the head. It's definitely one or the other or a combination of both. I think it plays a big part though. The whole evolutionary angle. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you see like, uh, you definitely see, um, the superstitious thing go to the ritualistic thing, ritualistic thing going into religion, religion going into philosophy, philosophy going into science, and kind of here we are today. You know, is there going to be something even beyond science that's even more empirical than science at some point? I don't know. It'd be interesting to live in the future and figure that out. But uh, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I like your take, man. I, I know you know you you're open minded, but you're you're trying to investigate these things and I'm not trying to poo poo anything or, you know, put anybody that down that's into these things. But again, it's like, if you're going to argue for truth, I think you have to really examine all angles. And I don't think some of these people for what it comes down to for me, at least doing this podcast and looking at all these topics and having both mainstream stuff and, you know, fringe stuff and alternative stuff and everything kind of in the middle. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think you have to be honest with yourself is foremost, you know, like be honest with yourself. Are you, willingly going along with it or is there some sort of confirmation bias happening or pareidolia or have you examined that aspect of your mind and really were honest with yourself and said i still can't explain it given all these other factors so i think that's where i'm at on these things is like i want to believe i know that sounds cliche but at the same time i'm not just going to go along with stuff either i'm going to really question things and, and, and run through the paces with all that so i don't know how you feel yeah. about that well, I um I like the term alien of the gaps because I do I I think that whole god of the gaps motif is something that's um I don't know like it, it could come across as like a, just like an airy adage or something but I think that there's a lot of poignancy to it um you know I even used the term devil of the gaps in uh, in the book there mm-hmm. and I think metaphysics of the gaps at large is a very worthwhile consideration because I think that the whole of the gaps idea uh, is essentially stabbing at the heuristic model, which is stabbing at the whole evolutionary, you know, dangling carrot concept that you were talking about. And I think that, um, this, that has everything to do with this discussion, you know, it, Fortiana uh, included in that. And, um, well, I mean, I don't know if you could speak to the other, like the Fortiana stuff, but I know like it's big in the UFO UAP community where, people think that there is this, this presence is these, this thing that's bringing us along in different ways, whether it be through creativity or, um, some sort of metaphysical way or, you know, through altered states of consciousness, whatever. I know that that's a big thought. I don't know if it's the same within the Fortiana or the Fortian stuff, but. Mm, 
um, some people do consider like Sasquatch as like a wise man. Think it's like it's like sort a of Harry like Socrates or something. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I've heard that before. Um, Squashities. Yeah, and I mean, I guess in some way they're like, you know, with the idea of um, Sasquatch more being like a spirit of the wilderness, as like a you know the Native Americans um, often considered it because they're um, obviously a lot of different Native American cultures, and uh, you know it's kind of the same motif with the Yeti in Tibet and things. But how um, prevalent is that in the Native American? Do you know how many like tribes you know had uh, Sasquatch myths or? I don't know the number, but I know that I have talked to enough people um, and read enough, uh, specifically with the the Pacific Northwest, where it was a common idea mm-hmm. uh, in Native American tradition. Um, and um, I can't remember the name, but there's a friend of mine, Bob Antone. He's uh, he's a bit of a Fortean guy himself, and he lives in the Washington area. He's really ingratiated uh, naturally with. Uh, one of the local uh, Native American tribes, I cannot remember the name, but uh, he, uh, he was telling me specifically this elaborate mythology that, uh, th- that the tribe has about Sasquatch and how it kind of like – it's not like a, um, like a primary like god or anything, but it's kind of considered like the gatekeeper of the forest almost. And there was, there was two Sasquatches and a kind of yin and yang thing. Um, and uh one was was uh essentially peaceful and would kind of like almost like help you find your way home uh and things like that and the other one would torment you out there so yeah i mean he does definitely sasquatch has his own um have you seen that uh, newer sasquatch documentary i think it's on hulu no as much as we've talked about him here i really don't I like I'm this interested. one's not really about i mean it it starts off seeming that way but it gets into like this whole like um, Humboldt County thing happening with like growers and all these like myths huh. and like it builds into this thing and then it becomes like an actual like murder mystery kind of a thing and like Sasquatch is kind of involved but then you know they do bring in that Gimlin guy who kind of debunks that aspect of it so then it just becomes you know not to spoil anything I'm not going to give any details but if you're interested, so I think it's on Hulu. It's it's a, a Duplass Brothers production, I think. They do pretty good. I think they've made Wild Wild Country and some other documentaries that are pretty good. So I know that name. I don't remember. Yeah, the one guy, I think the one brother was on the league. Uh, yeah, he's the Oh, Duplass, the... yeah. He also yeah. did the mo- uh the movies the, the creep movies. He's the bad guy, I think, in season two. Have you seen that movie or that show Goliath with Billy Bob Thornton? I don't know if you've seen that. He's in that too, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, great. but yeah, that 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 sh- that it's not him though. They didn't make the doc. It's like this other guy who. It's a production company. The, right? the basis of the documentary is this guy. He was like twenty, and he was in Humboldt County, like helping trim or something at this farm. And he hears this thing about this Bigfoot, like some guys came in, he's like, oh my God, you know, Bigfoot came in and killed these other guys, you know, guys Dang. and everything. And he's tripping out on, I think he said he ate like mushrooms or something like that. So this guy's like tripping out. Dang. Uh, and then that sets off this platform and he doesn't think about it for like years. And then he comes back to the case. Now he's like some like top journalist and he's infiltrated like all these different, you know, crazy stories that he's done like undercover stuff and he goes back and like looks at this case again and it's just this insane case it's definitely worth checking out i mean again i don't wow. think if, yeah that if, does if you're into a physical out. bigfoot you might not like the ending but <laughs> um what's it called again 
I don't, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta look at, hold on. I'll, I'll find it right now. Um, but yeah, I think that, I don't know, again, I, I don't want to put anybody down cause I, I do feel like if that's your passion and you find solace in it or it's fun or whatever, you know, do your thing. But at the same time, again, like I said, I've looked into these things and you know, I know I haven't seen anything specifically, but it seems like the odds are stacked against it. So it does. It does. Um, you know, it's been mentioned before, but, um, Keel, it's just um, called Sasquatch. Oh, very uh, creative. It's on Hulu (laughs) and it's considered a true crime documentary. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, Keel, uh, related, uh, Mothman to the Garuda, which, um, uh, I, Vedic mythology gets confusing, but is, uh, like the essentially like a thunderbird that one of the gods rode similar to like a chariot of the gods type thing. And I mean, like I, we've mentioned before, or I've mentioned with you guys, I think that there's like at least archetypal mimetic relevance, plenty of it to the whole ancient aliens motif. I just don't think that it's a uh, extremely literal, nor do I think that like oh, it, for aliens, sure. aliens haven't, or anything. they for sure haven't built anything on earth. Why would, yeah, Use logic exactly. and reason. Why would anything travel, traverse space and time or from, come from a different dimension and then build like Stonehenge? While it's impressive and it's an amazing human feat for the time, I don't think that, you know, like I said, if you're coming here, some sort of advanced craft, why would you build that? That just doesn't make any sense. All right. Occam's razor. People throw Occam's razor out the window sometimes here. Um, no, they, but, they just destroy but yeah, it. You know, <laughs> yeah, they just completely destroy yeah. it. Um, uh, but you know, that's the fun or the one of the most interesting Occam's things. Butter about... knife, <laughs> very yeah. sharp. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Fortiana and unexplainable phenomena. Um, you'd be hard pressed to find some of these. You know, I really look at them as like ongoing living mythology. You know, again, not not exactly in the physical way, but in the fact that it's again it's still very ongoing, it's still very present in our minds and uh, in our experiences, and um, I think um, I, 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 you know, I think that there's a great deal to be said for that, and um, um, I think, man, what the, the, there was an additional point I was going to make, but I can't remember. Can you can you give me? Was. Do you have any? examples of stories that either make you believe in Bigfoot ghosts. I know you already gave us a couple, but is there any, is there any one tale that you read about or heard where you're like, there's, there might be something to this. Mm. As in like a physical world thing happening, not necessarily like a consciousness based or altered state of consciousness thing, but something like within the physical realm that you might think that there's maybe there's some unexplained phenomenon that we just don't know about or something. Hmm. Yeah. I'll say a a few different things. Firstly, I think, um, um, you know, well, you can look at one case and it might be like, Hmm, well that was weird. I'm not sure what's going on there, but there's something interesting. And you look at like, 10 20 different cases and if there's all something a little bit interesting going on there and you start to really scratch your head so there's a bit of an an accumulative factor but um you know i think that one so if we can look at myth making and the heuristic method and 
you know, metaphysics of the gaps. Um, here's an example. Um, I think that it's certainly not like a concrete theory or anything like that. Having done some of this research into, you know, the shadow, the nervous system, the paranormal, the things we've talked about, I found myself like without definitely without trying, like very inadvertently, um, at least in a piece of the book, kind of settling on, um, again, not like the total, we don't have it fully fleshed out, but this whole, this old school, uh, idea of poltergeist and paranormal activity surrounding, um, surges of energy. One of those surges being adolescence. Uh, when you look into the cases, I think that there actually is, um, some, uh, there's definitely, um, uh, plenty of case studies to suggest that something like that is going on. I know Soraya's um, brought that up a few times, and we've talked. I think I've talked about that with him on his show a little bit, and he definitely brought it up last time he was on our show. He's big into the poltergeist thing. So you think the poltergeist thing might be the one thing where there's some sort of phenomena happening? Yeah, well, you know, there's other cases. There's like poltergeist. Poltergeists of all things are are. Um, the some definitely the most interesting like quote unquote paranormal because um something like a ghost is a lot more ambiguous but poltergeist there is there i have like four or five stories that uh in hunt manual that were not only like witnessed by too many people to count like witnesses being doctors and um you know neighbors and police officers uh, but, you know, just uh, and, and then they also make their way to the media and and then they are and then not only that, but they withstand the test of time and scrutiny um, sometimes like decades and decades later, even under the eye of the media and people still, you know, with things that happened in the 70s and 80s, they're still shrugging even after trying to debunk it like no one knows. You know, there's just a lot of unanswered questions with something like a poltergeist. And if you're just trying to use Occam's razor and say, like, what is what are some of the common denominators here? You often find it with children, um, you know, children that are, um, you know, getting closer to becoming teenagers. They're definitely like that preteen phase uh, usually. And um, I th if you look at the story, so it's like an X-Man thing before they get their full powers or they're just getting their powers or something like that kind of a thing. Yeah, man. And I they don't can't think control that, uh, it. You know, they can't control that energy. Yes. And again, let's bring it back to some uh, more grounded science like sleep paralysis. I'm talking about the exact same mechanics here. You know, people who are um, who have this overcompensation or who are overcompensating because of traumas and stressors that they have in their life. You know, our nervous system, because of our neurotic tendencies, becomes like this this overflowing cup. And and then again, that you know, maybe you start drinking more, maybe you start having crazy dreams, maybe you start ha experiencing weird sleep paralysis events. Maybe if you have some really intense accumulative factors and traumas built up, um, and that just that butterfly effect happens in such a way, maybe you start having things emanate from your psyche that start throwing things across the room like I, and i and i would be skeptical this is the point i'm at now i would be skeptical of anyone that says and really quite frankly i just simply wouldn't believe them if they told me that they had telekinesis or, or uh uh yeah telekinesis um but i think that um you know because 
for me, some of the unexplainable things I've experienced, something we've talked about before, I've definitely had dreams that I cannot control that have only happened a few times in my life, um, you know, dreams of the future. And I know plenty of other people who have had experiences like that. And that's other than seeing some UFOs in the sky. That's pretty much the extent of um, some of my really, truly unexplainable stuff. But I mean, that alone um, um, really causes you to, uh, I don't know, it, it, you know, it only takes like one thing, you know, if, uh, if, if certain things are, um, you know, for me, if, uh, if I can have, if like, I don't trust people who say that they have special powers, but I certainly think that there's more than enough evidence, uh, from my personal experience and actual scientific data that people can you know, for lack of a better term, stumble into powerful situations. Yeah. I mean, the human, I, I would agree in the sense that you can see hum, some humans do some pretty crazy things. I mean, look at like Wim Hof, you know, he's, yes, he's done yeah. some things that are definitely superhuman, like um, Shaolin monks, you know, they've put them under brain scans while they're doing some of that crazy stuff that they do. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I would say that you know, there's definitely states of consciousness you could achieve through repetition and, and pushing the boundaries and things like that. Um, right. So what if someone had that sort of like monkly discipline that you're talking about that you could see in brain scans? Because, um, they, yeah, they've certainly done those kinds of studies and they found really interesting levels of, um, of discipline that really permeate and like affect you know, consciousness on ways that we, we don't even fully understand yet. I mean, Wim Hof being a great example. And, um, so, I mean, what if that, like that whole monkly attitude was beaten and battered around? It was an emotional basket case, but still had that like monkly mental attenuation. Um, given what we know, like if Wim Hof can, you know, do something as uh, simple, but profound as, you know, what he does, uh, withstanding those temperatures, I think that we can, uh, most certainly alter our um, our quote unquote reality, you know, our perceptions of reality in ways that, for all intents and purposes, do alter reality, mm-hmm. you know, as far as we see it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like I said, I, I I want to believe in things, but again, I'm not just going to. And I know that you're pretty, you're similar, you know from a, like a philosophical standpoint and the way you look at things, uh, even though that you're a lot younger and ahead of the most of the game at your age, I would say, uh, I would say that there's still, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's just hard for me to like, I get it on one end of things. Like I get the believing. Cause I, when we started this podcast, we believed in a lot more things. That's why we're doing this mysteries and metaphysics series that we're doing. It's a look at mm-hmm. how we thought about things when we started the podcast four years ago versus how we look at things now. And I mean, my paradigm has shift three or four times. And I have, I look at things in a completely different way for the most part. I mean, some similar themes, you know, but I believed in a lot more stuff was possible when we first started then when I actually read a bunch of books, did research, cross-reference things, you know, it takes the illusion of some of these fun topics, you know, it takes that illusion away and you kind of see, oh, these are just human beings that had these experiences and they wrote about them, but they're still human beings, even though they had a weird experience, they're still subject to the same flawed memory, cognitive biases, pareidolia, they're still subject, they're still human beings, you know? So I guess for me, it's like, while I think 
my definition of weird has shifted. I think there's a lot of unexplainable things out there. I think there's a true fringe, meaning that there's this this layer of things, you know, call it metaphysics or whatever, layer beyond science or this material realm that weird things happen and things that we can't explain. But I don't necessarily think that things that we've been thinking about forever, like ghosts or Bigfoot or whatever, without any sort of evolution or nuance on the topic is getting us anywhere. It's fun. You know, it's interesting. You might uh, entertain yourself for a while, but I'm always about taking it to the next level. What's the next big idea? What's the next, you know, layer to this onion or whatever, you know, I don't know if you feel the same way. Absolutely. I mean, that's, pretty much the biggest inspiration I have uh, behind Hunt Manual in the long run is like really wanted to you know obvious at this point from my point of view um, I don't you know so I wouldn't consider something like Sasquatch like a demon I do think you can under the umbrella term um, I think you can associate Fortiana with demonology because demonology at large in like occultism or comparative religion doesn't uh, mean exclusively evil it means the shadow you know it means all things that are not divine so um you know i i i i've heard some people talk about it's not a completely foreign sentiment but it hasn't been fleshed out very well um it just hasn't been enough time and so you know kind of wanted to throw my hat into the ring with that because i do think that's the next step is saying um, you know, we're never going to get anywhere, um, looking at these things the way, you know, what you just said exactly. Uh, you know, again, while I don't discourage people from doing what they want to do, um, uh, this is a point I make in the book a little bit as well, where like in trying to legitimize something like cryptozoology, it seems that people uh, wanted to take it. It has strong underpinnings, uh, in mythology. You know, take Yeti in Tibet, for example. They, that's all over Fortiana, all over. And, you know, somewhere along the line, like the 60s or 70s or whatever, I don't know the date, um, uh, people definitely made a very specific shift to take that out of mythology and place all these creatures in some flesh and blood realm uh, in order to make it more legitimate. Um, I guess in like a similar push that ufology made, but ufology had... Um, better reasons and more data and whatnot and i mean the whole idea the whole push to make cryptozoology more quote-unquote like scientific has really uh cut its knees out from under it it's it's almost completely disproven the entire um the 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 entire field of study i mean anyone no offense anybody but anyone that looks at the field of cryptozoology and like sees the world full of like all of these literal ghouls and monsters. Um, I just don't like that don't map where it shows the where it shows the monster from each part of the country or the world. Yeah, or whatever. Have you ever seen yeah. those maps where it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. the Dog Man of Michigan or the the exactly. Yeti or That's you what know. we got is Dog Man. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. When you add up all those statistics, all those all those stories of bits of folklore and things like how are we not running across these things? Like, how is this not a comic book? Yeah. Where are you the know? gods? Yeah. It's the same concept. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I would say this though, too, for, from like an honest standpoint, like 
if cryptozoology, let's say like everybody's looking for Bigfoot mostly, right? In cryptozoology, I'm sure there's people that spread it out, whatever, but most of it's Bigfoot, right? It's a big one. If yeah. you were going to take cryptozoology seriously, how, why not go for the easiest one, which would be the Tasmanian tiger, which the last one died like a hundred years ago. And there's people that's claimed to still see it. There's even a guy, I think his name was a forest gallant or something. He's like a, a scientist, but he's even gone to look for it and stuff like that. So it's what like, about the, what about the chupa? I don't know yeah, about that see, one. See that one. That, I think that that could be many. It could be a a lot of different predators that are mischaracterized as that or something like. And that's just my opinion. But I would say that the Tasmanian tiger was a real thing only a hundred years ago, and people claim they still see it. And science is saying no. There's no way you could see they're they're extinct. But if you were going to take cryptozoology seriously, wouldn't you go to that or like something like that? That was that we like a giant, you know, I know there's some people that look for even the giant sloths, which died at the end of the last ice age or whatever, you know, so. Yeah, um, I'm actually um, I'm I'm popping to a little section in here in my manuscript so I can rattle off a couple ones here as you bring up a great point. Um Firstly, I want to say for fun, uh, Chupacabra, um, yeah, that's definitely like a great example of just pure myth-making because um, it started out like some of the biggest reports where there was like alleged pictures of Chupacabra back in the 90s and stuff. And that one's not really associated with any mythology from what I can tell. Um, and uh, it, the, the reports came out was essentially just coyotes with mange. And uh, But I mean, it's, um, it's really snowballed where... Uh, so the chupacabra, I always thought of it as that kind of coyote with mange thing, where it's just like this really crazy, like Sasquatch's dog thing. And some people do think of it like that, but then there's other people um, that consider it like um, uh, essentially like a reptilian. But I, I remember when the report started coming out, like it was on like unsolved mystery. Like back in the day, there wasn't much to get, right? You just see something on TV about it or something like that. But the chupacabra, right. I remember it being portrayed as like a little dinosaur type thing. Is kind of what it was. I remember being, at least that was the third the, one I was going to say. Yeah, like, yeah. Like not like a dinosaur, like maybe like a little. I don't know how to explain. It, like a little T Rex mixed with like a like a some sort of cross between like a little dinosaur and like a little Sasquatch or something. Yeah. See, it's not even like slight variations. Like in the case of chupacabra specifically. Sometimes people are talking about radically different things, and um, it's kind of funny. Um, uh, but, you know, so cryptozoology, we just took some, like, serious and warranted stabs at it. And then um, – and I was going to bring up what you just brought up, and it's a very good point that there is – you know, when we're talking about, like, ghouls in the forest, ghouls. it gets a little – yeah, it gets a little <laughs> uh, silly potentially, but um, um, the whole idea of – looking for these uh these animals that um um science has uh like uh you know pr- been presumptuous and considered extinct or just thought was mythology to begin with uh this does happen all the time and this actually is what um uh, cryptozoology is best for and, and there's a lot of great examples of this um you know the the african peacock being one of them um mountain gorillas in east africa I mean, the platypus was uh, considered a hoax for a long time. Um, there's uh, there's a lot of evidence to show that the jackalope. I mean, the, the 
uh, rabbits and hares didn't have antlers, but um, uh, they definitely – there's um, a virus. I'm not sure you pronounce it, like Shope papilloma, where they have growths that look very much like mm. – they're tumors, where it looks very much like antlers. And um, so, I mean, there's some of that in there too. There's a, there's a Vietnamese softshell turtle, which is very uh, uh, crucial – or at least those ones like with a, like the pointy portable. faces, those ones with long pointy faces, almost like a pike's face. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they're very like quintessential in Vietnamese mythology, and they were uh, considered non-existent for a long time. Um, and uh, so, and then there's also um, hogzillas. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of that, but it's um, hogzilla. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy though. It's uh, it's wild hogs. Uh, it's boars that uh, breed with um. Like, I guess it's just, you know, big boars breeding with each other, but somehow genetic anomalies occur. You can find pictures of them online. Uh, there have been several, well, like, headlines that people have verified and everything because people thought these were hoaxes as well. well I know wild hogs get aggressive and they, like, attack other animals and stuff like that. Yeah, well, th- these these quote-unquote hogzillas are, uh, let's see, one here was uh, 12 pig feet. hybrid. 12 feet long, over 1,000 pounds. This thing was, like, the size of a literal Jeez. truck. Yeah, (laughs) and people didn't think that existed for a long time either. Uh, People didn't think that the uh, the uh, the giant squid existed. Um, Yeah, I remember watching that documentary where that uh, Japanese scientist guy like spent like months in that submarine trying to see this thing, and eventually, I I don't know. I think they can grow like I don't know. I think it was like forty to eighty feet long or something crazy like that. Yeah, yeah, very fascinating. you know, there's other like weird reports where we don't know <laughs> it, it for me. I think for some people it might get like head splitting. But for me, it's just super fun because when you so when you start to look at some of this. Uh, so we just talked about some realities of cryptozoology and we've also talked about myth making, whether it be poltergeist or, you know, cryptozoology. And then there's this weird middle ground where it's like, what is going on here? There's actually consistent reports not like really consistent because again where are the gods where are the monsters but there are reports of um aggressive baboons hiding out in the wooded uh wilderness around uh flagstaff arizona mm. um and you can also find um lots of reports of um really out of place wildcats um in great britain specifically yeah, in I've north seen, america i've seen stuff on that or people like posting videos and stuff on that i think th- what did I see? One was like a like a, a panther or something that could have just been like there's some actual like wildcat that could have gotten loose that people were seeing. But people see it all the time, and it very well could just be myth making at large. But it begs the question. Um, because there because are, I think that, that one. I think there is photos of like there are photos out there that look pretty reliable of like some sort of yeah like some wild panther or you know a leopard or something like that. Yeah, we know these things happen. Um, at least people have pets, right? Pets can get out. I mean, yeah, but how often? That's true. But if a couple of them got out, they could start a little thing, you know? They could, yeah. All of these are uh, perfectly valid potential. See, something like that is not that crazy to me. That it might be. Yeah, but that's it's important to keep it uh, grounded a little bit. No, for sure. Um, But I'm saying, if you were to say. One, it could be, it would be something like that as opposed to like a chupacabra or, you know, uh, what's the other one, you know, like a werewolf or something like that. 
I mean, the other thing to think about too, and I don't know if you've thought about this with the Sasquatch, is uh, reports of, and I think that this is in that documentary I was talking to you about, which is the idea that throughout history there have been these wild people or wild men that would be live on the outskirts of towns that would their hairs would grow crazy you know you could barely see their face because their beards and their Mm -hmm. hair their long hair and everything and uh just imagine scenes like some super hairy big guy come out of the woods you know (laughs) like you you know what i'm saying i'm I'm, but i'm being real like imagine Mm -hmm. this guy he's like a like a feral human i mean we think about humans as civilized and whatever but we self-civilized probably, I mean, I, I, there's debate, but you could say maybe starting like Gobekli Tepe's when we started to civilize ourselves or domesticate ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but imagine somebody that, you know, or like a lineage of people that lived on the outskirts that were almost like feral people, like how we have feral cats or feral dogs. It's a feral human being, you know? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, that would be a credible explanation for people seeing something like that too, I would think. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh with um any sort of topic or you know, subtopic in fortiana at large i think it's safe to say that um no like researcher is ever going to get one uh section you know like it's never going to be one thing like oh this was like an animal the whole time um or you know, I mean, it, you know, to be fair, maybe in a case like the African peacock, it probably was just an animal the whole time. But in crazier, like unexplainable stuff, it's never going to be one thing. There's always going to be different um, accumulative factors. Like some people are just, you know, seeing shadows. Some people are just seeing animals. Some people might actually be experiencing weird stuff. Um, and and yeah, I mean, if you think that not all of those are happening on a case by case basis, then yeah, you're not getting the full picture. That's for sure. Well, life's weird, man. I mean, let's be real as much. We can sit here and debunk or believe or do whatever, but life's really weird. And the fact that we're even here having this conversation over these devices is even more bizarre. Um, so it really is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, like I said, I don't want to, diminish what anybody else has experienced or believes or whatever. But I just know from everything I've looked at, there are probable, uh, see, I guess that's where I've shifted. I'm looking for what could be the explanation for that, as opposed to just believing that it exists, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, for any, uh, uh, listener takeaways and things, I think that it, the, the, the implications probably reach beyond this, but I do think it has a lot to do with um, the evolutionary mechanisms of what Jung would call the shadow. Mm. Um, And I think that that's really as far as we can take the scientific approach with these things at this point. But, um, you know, the common denominator with all of these things is the human experience. You know, that's the only thing we can say for sure, like about these things. So, you know, even if there are some footprints left or what whatever be the case uh, humans do experience these things and if we're going to look for we're going to use occam's razor to sift through this and try and find some common denominators then i mean our evolutionary biology and um you know the the adaptive the pro-adaptive and maladaptive uh, perceptions of our existence these are the common denominators and if you're trying to understand something unexplainable at large you know whatever it be if you're not starting with these common denominators then none of it's going to line up 
Mm-hmm. You know, as as someone that has definitely, I can say this with with certainty at this point, I've definitely immersed myself in some of the most outlandish, um, you know, like challenging um, case studies and you know police reports and these things. And if you stop looking at these things as separate, um, like you know, you really, again, like basically just, um, um, to sum it up, like, like I said before, the idea that you can basically put Sasquatch and a lot of this Fortiana under the umbrella of demonology, all that metaphysics, which is not exclusively divine. Um, and, uh, because you do need common denominators. Otherwise we're just going to be squabbling over semantics. And like at a certain point, the more complex you make things, I mean, you know, you have to tie the loose ends together at some point mm. and we're just deviating further and further out. And every, you know, people are coming up with like all these different ideas. Like what if, what if Sasquatch teleports? What if, um, what <laughs> yeah, if, what if ETs around. are us from the future? Yeah. All these different <laughs> things. And it's like, okay, Maurice has heard rumblings. <laughs> let's just stop for a second and instead of like going to the extent of of all this vast speculation and you know galactic federations and and whatever else, our ancestors talking to us through paranormal events how about we look at what we know is friggin going on um for starters and we know that there is a lot of grounded tangible um like use and data in something like psychoanalysis specifically Jungian psychoanalysis because you know Jung isn't the end-all be-all um there's a lot of different psychoanalytic models out there but Jung is definitely a valid one you know there's 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 more than one ways to slice a pie um but you know things like psychoanalysis show us that there is a proverbial physics of the psyche you know psychodynamics as Freud said um this is not an old idea at all. And and so, yeah, I mean, long story short, if you want to under, understand unexplainable phenomena, you have to start with the common denominators of the physics of the psyche. And you really have to, as far as I'm concerned. And what if, in just bear with me, but there's different levels of this dangling the carrot thing, like evolutionary-wise. Like what if there are some better competing ideas than other UFOs being one? Like... Finding oh, yeah. out that there's a Sasquatch is not going to get us to Mars or <laughs> intergalactic space travel, but trying to find out if there is aliens and UFOs might, right? Because the innovation in, in going into that field of trying to figure that out, creating better sensors, creating faster vehicles and, uh, you know, uh, um, airplanes and rocket ships and different things, you know, look at what SpaceX is doing. Like, what if that, you know, that interest in that brings some sort of evolutionary mechanism then i see more of a point to the you know do you get what i'm saying like absolutely the bigfoot stuff and the ghost stuff might fall aside because it doesn't help us you know the ghost stuff might maybe with the the near-death experience stuff or maybe life after death to some degree or whatever but i think specifically the ufo thing in the sense that you know it is it's right now it's dangling that carrot hard and, and you know people are biting and it might take us to that next level because of that. That's just my thought on that. I I would definitely agree with that. You know, there's something to be said for symbols um, and, you know, archetypal entities, we'll say, um, uh, having inertia. 
uh, in the human, you know, throughout time and uh, in the human minds uh, because of what they represent and the uh, the omens, you know, that they might bear. And, uh, you know, just even in in any given metaphysical discipline, there are certainly hierarchies and um, and yeah, I mean, if you want to put things in that kind of hierarchical structure, um, definitely Fortiana and this this uh, strange, unexplainable realm um, is in many ways uh, seems to be somewhat of a distraction. Absolutely. Like even in the um, even in the psychological sense, like we talked about the like the purgative aspect of it, um, I think that sometimes people take a look at these things and they instead of treating it in that purgative way they make it a like a holy grail and mm. i think that that's a serious pitfall um and i, I, I think that it seems like i'm trying to defend ufo's but i'll just point this out and this is something i've observed via social media specifically twitter like there's ufo twitter shout out to ufo twitter i don't really participate in a lot of the arguments and debates and drama or anything like that but i'm a watcher i watch what's happening I see what people are saying. I know, you know, the little clicks and this happens and that happens. These people think this, those people think that, blah, 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 blah. Um, What I will say is it seems like where you have the ghost hunter shows, they're still doing the ghost hunting stuff. Same stuff I've seen for the last 15 years or whatever, however long it's been on TV. Same thing with the, you know, the Sasquatch stuff. UFO people that are interested in the topic are talking about like, parallaxes and different camera effects and they're learning things and they're learning things that actually apply to like, you know, military FLIR. Like most people, if there wasn't UFO stuff, wouldn't know what a FLIR pod was or this forward looking infrared systems on these fighter jets or how they work and, you know, different things. So I think that that alone in itself shows you kind of what I'm talking about where there's this evolution of thought happening within that community where as some of the other ones seem to just be doing the same old stuff, if that makes sense. I would completely agree. I would completely agree. And, um, yeah, I mean things like the paranormal and, uh, cryptozoology and again, I'm, I'm not extremely stale. I'm they not really talking have... shit again, do your thing. I'm not, I'm just, this is just a purely observation. And if I'm wrong, point me in the direction of something that can prove I'm wrong. I, I love learning new things, but that's just, Again, just my perception and uh, the the way I've seen all this stuff go down. So, well, along with the you know the purgative sentiments and the fact that some of this can be like a deviation from some of the more important uh, truths of life or even some of the more important questions, um, um, I think that you know there's uh, it 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 would be. Um, it would be a shame to not mention, you know, the whole like surrealist quality and the fact that um, some of these things seem to um, play with the psyche on purpose. You know, there's very much when you look into the paranormal and 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 for me, this is how uh, things like ufology, some of the only ways that things like ufology tie into this overall 14, um, you know, definition, because. You know, another part of the 14 definition is the fact that some of these things have or not some of them, pretty much all of them, if you look hard enough, for the most part, um, they have this sardonic sort of, again, trickster, prankish, tongue in cheek, like they're laughing at you, like they're very 
their very presence is a cosmic joke Mm. and you're the punchline. Um, and that's, that's very much a strong running belief might be a strong word. Tenant might be a strong word, but that's a really strong running theme in 14 investigation in general. And you can see it with the paranormal all the time. You can see it a bit with UFOs as well. I say psychedelic realm, same thing. Absolutely. You know, I know Terrence McKenna's, uh, Machine elves might have been an, a creation of an archetype in itself, but I think that idea that people see jesters or tricksters or whatever in these psychedelic realms is definitely some sort of manifestation. Is it external? Is it the subconscious? Is it both? Is it, you know, what's going on? Yeah, whatever is going on, um, it's clearly, at least in part, something, um, you know, a participation of our psyche. And um, it's something that people... If they're interested in any of these things, you know, um, the paranormal and cryptozoological especially, um, you really have to understand that this is a crux of it all. If you haven't wrapped your head around the trickery of all of this, uh, because it's a, it's a, it, well, then you're not going to have wrapped your head around the full picture. It's, it's, it's a two-way street where not only could it potentially, the more you look into it, not only could it potentially be that this phenomena is actually kind of setting us up as a punchline potentially, but um, um, it also is just as simple as the fact that, you know, we can't even really trust our own eyewitness accounts most of the mm-hmm. time, it seems. So, I mean, in many ways, we, <laughs> we're our own tricksters, man. I mean, you get that a lot, too, from that. people's trip reports that we're all, we're all basically actors participating in this, like, Greek drama. Um you know, that we call life and that uh, everybody's just playing their part and some people might seem evil or this or good or whatever, but we're all just playing some sort of role, uh, which, which is interesting because you do hear that from a lot of people, or at least a lot of different trip reports. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's some truth to that for sure. Uh, so let's wrap it up here because I do want to do a short Patreon episode. Uh, I think we could, I, I haven't really discussed this with anybody, but I think you'd be a good person too. would be like Egregor's. Um, oh, cool. Uh, so yeah, if you want to talk about that for, you know, 15 or so minutes on our Patreon segment, we can do that. But, uh, so you're, so do you want to plug anything before we get out of here other than your book or, um, I mean, um, you know, go check out, uh, the homie Joe Roop show lighting the void. Um, I've been doing some work, helping him get guests up on there. I do some co-hosting on Mondays sometimes. Um, I mean, other than that, you know, you go check out uh, some of the shows over on the network, the Fringe FM. There, um, um, I'm I'm loosely affiliated, uh, helping Joe out a bit and um, getting um, further into the some of the administrative stuff over there. But I mean, other than that, other than uh, helping good old Joe Roop out, I mean, I'm really focused on this book, and that'll yeah. be coming out Halloween. And I mean, that's I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, just keep an eye out for a. Uh, I got some uh, guest spots. I'm going to be going on um, Soraya's show, Where'd the Road Go, mm. in the future here. I'm going to be going back on uh, Miguel's show, um, Aeon Bite, and I'm going to be making the rounds with some of the other homies, so talking about a lot more crazy, crazy stuff, um, so keep your eyes peeled. And uh, DiveMind.net, of course. You can find me on Facebook or Twitter. Sweet. I mean, that's really it. Yeah, if you, if you like what I do, I appreciate the support, you know, whether it's just interaction or, uh, you know, buying the book or sharing it around. Um, I mean, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you, I hope you uh, got a little bit out of it.
Oh, people nice. are pissed, bro. They want us to believe. <laughs> they are pissed. Uh, no, but seriously, go check out uh, Anthony's new book. Uh, pre-order it. It comes out on Halloween. Uh, it's called yeah. Hunt Manual, 21st Century Demonology in Fortiana. Um, and, I'll say uh, real quick. Yeah, go Sorry, ahead. I didn't mean to cut you. No, go ahead. I just want to say the pre-order is Kindle because uh, that's the only setup you can do. Uh, but it will be by Halloween. There will be a paperback and hardcover out. Mm. So you Sweet, keep your eyes dude. peeled for that. Too. Yeah. So- sounds good. Uh, and again, I'll have the link down below if you're interested in buying that. Uh, we are about to do a Patreon segment where we're going to talk about Egregors. Um, so if you're interested, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast for just $2 a month. You'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. I think we've done a few with Anthony on there talking about UFOs and different weird phenomena, good versus evil, philosophy, all sorts of stuff. We also uh, recently uploaded you know, a sec- segment with... Um, Rick Strassman, one with Matthew Clark, where we discussed the Lucinian Mysteries, uh, one with Laura from Megalith Hunter, uh, Laird Scranton. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff on there. I mean, if we've had some pretty good guests in the past, you can bet that we've probably done a, uh, a Patreon with them. So go check that out. Uh, we're also on Discord if you want to find us on there and chat. Uh, if you're interested, head on over to indrasweb.org and sign up for an account today. This is a social media platform we created to connect open minds. Um, again, trying to get in the app store and, uh, I'll let you know when that happens. Uh, and also if you're interested in winning a mind escape t-shirt, we are going to do a giveaway at the end of October. The only thing you have to do to enter is leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts. Um, take a screenshot of it and send it to our email at mindescapepodcast at gmail.com. And I will enter you to win at the end of the month. Or I'll enter you for a chance to win at the end of the month, I should say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also, we have a new merch store. So we have some pretty sweet designs. Uh, I designed one for of the Portara uh, um, of Naxos. It's a pretty sweet shirt. There's one that says, hashtag, let Maurice speak with a, sil- <laughs> my, a silhouette of our man, Maurice. Um <laughs> A and, top seller. And we got some other stuff in there. So we got some cool shirts. And also, if you're interested in creating a shirt uh, for our T public uh, merch store, let us know. There's a, there's a thing you can go on there and create some fan art. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but I'm going to keep posting stuff on there, too. So we'll have some other merch on there in the future. But, yeah, there's T-shirts, hoodies, you know, mugs, all sorts of stuff on there. So go check it out. Uh, I have the link down below. And that's it. I uh, really appreciate you coming on, Anthony. And uh, we'll definitely have you back on in the future. And everybody go buy his book, read it, and creep yourself out. And uh, that's it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. Everybody stay safe out there. We love everybody. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.